But happy Father's Day to all our dads out there. Welcome to the eight. This is a, a, a general talk, but I want to target and call out us guys for today. But this is applicable to all of us. But I first want to share something here as we begin this talk here at the eight is that I'm a very big tech guy. Like for those who know me, I love technology. I love watching like what's coming up in technology. I just, and I'm, I'm, I'm enslaved to the Apple ecosystem. Like I, I mean the, the laptop, the iPad, you, once you go with one device, they just get sucked you in into all of them. And one of the things I love so much about Apple is, is HomeKit. So HomeKit is basically how like you feel that you are in control. Everything is automated. Like to the point, I haven't said it myself, but to the point where you know, your, your home will know when you're close to the house for the temperature to be set perfectly and the lights to be dimmed, or you can tell the Siri, you know, uh, it's movie time and it'll dim all, like, I, I, I don't know, I love all that stuff. I don't have that stuff set up in my house, but I'm saying I love the idea of automation. And it comes to something that's in a lot of us, especially us guys, is autonomy. Autonomy. I'm in control. I get to, I, I manage what I want to manage. I get to determine when I want my lights to be turned on. I get to determine everything. All of it is automated. We love that. We love passive income. We love things that are, I'm in control and I make the shots. Autonomy, any version of autonomy, including I'm controlling all the devices in my home, is me being my own boss. I'm in control. I make the shots. It sounds appealing, it sounds attractive. All of us want to be, I want to be my own boss, right? This drives a lot of, this is what drives the big small, the small business industry and so many aspects of our lives. I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want to report to anyone, I want to make my own shots, I'm in control. But I want you to pause for a second. Think for example of all the people that are your heroes in which you, you admire them so much because they've reached success in whatever capacity, finances, um, success in, in their career, whatever the case might be. And they've reached success in, in their aspect of, of life. Imagine now how we talk about some of these, these people. Imagine how we talk about Elon Musk. I'm, I'm very fascinated by Elon Musk, like a billionaire. How do we describe billionaires? The top of magazines, what do we title them? Self-made billionaires. We describe them being self-made billionaires, as if they're the ones that made, they determined, like they're the ones that made themselves successful. And we look at them and we feel, man, like I want to be like them. And then you and I see it over and over again. People who are at the top of their game they make a mistake. They got caught in something. And we see them fade away. And we see them make one poor decision after another. You and I see them, and we think, that would never be me. How, like, I mean, he was at the top of his game. Like, how did he let that woman? How did he let that guy? How did he let that transaction? How did he let that business deal go sour? Like, like, how did, like was, was he so dumb? How come he could not see that? We see that in so many other people. And we look at them and says, man, if I was in his shoes, I would never do that. If I were in his shoes, I would never be in that position. I would have saw that coming a mile away, but he didn't see that coming or she didn't see that coming. How did he get himself in that position? We always like to look from outside in and say, man, if I was in his shoes or her shoes, I would have never done that myself. When things don't go the way we want, we snap, we get on edge. We build this, like, this underlying low-grade anger. We, we're, we build this, like, this bitterness, this grudge, resentment toward different aspects of life. Could be toward our marriage, could be to our kids, could be toward our, our, our career. Why? 
because we want autonomy. We want, or I make all the shots. And if that doesn't happen, everything else, like we're off, we're, we're off, we're off balance. Then we have this resentment, this grudge, this low-grade anger in every aspect. Let me simplify it into this one statement. If you are not happy with your marriage, with your kids, with your career, or where you are in life, you probably are not happy with yourself. And you know what you and I do when we're not happy of some aspect of our life? And a lot of those things, we chose those decisions and we end up still not being happy. You know what we end up doing? We end up going faster. Well, maybe if I just get this next job, maybe if I do this, maybe if I go on this trip, or I, it, we, we continue to move, 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 move faster and faster and faster, thinking this will resolve this low-grade anger or this resentment within me. If I can find satisfaction, contentment. I can, I can finally reach that spot. I can reach there. Wherever there is, for you and I, it might be different. But all of us have that there spot that we're trying to reach. Financially, relationship-wise, whatever the case might be. And, and when, if it doesn't happen, we have this low-grade anger. And you see it in people all around you. That, and no matter what you say, they just snap. Or they misinterpret what you're saying. Because they're off balance. Because they're trying to reach, quote-unquote, there. And they're unable to. And they're off. If you're not happy with one aspect of life, science says, most likely, you're not happy with yourself. There is a fine line between freedom and being imprisoned or addicted to something. Like, right, we can all agree. Like, the idea of, I, I can control every device in my house. I can, I, 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 automation this, and I'm self-governing. I make all the shots. I'm my own boss. That's appealing and attractive no matter who you are. That sounds like freedom. But there's a fine line between that and imprisonment or addiction. And there is a fine line between the two. Autonomy, where I make my own shots, is a thirst which cannot be quenched. We think, if I do this, if I'm, if I, if I, if I'm in connection with this person, so forth and so on, that thirst will never be quenched. That quote-unquote there, that spot that you and I are trying to reach in some aspect of our lives. Autonomy is a derivative to power. Autonomy me being self-governing, I make all the shots, is a cousin to power. Like, we can all agree, the more power someone has, the more at a higher chance they are of falling. But autonomy, me self-governing, I make all the shots, is a derivative to power. And power can be intoxicating. Power can be intoxicating. I, I was listening to a leadership podcast, and I wrote this thing, I like this, he said this. If people become a means to an end... Eventually, you won't have many people. Let me read this again. When power becomes intoxicating, then I look at relationships just as a transaction. I look at everyone saying, what can I get out of that person? When power becomes intoxicating and me self-governing and me trying to get something out of people, I don't look at people. I look at how can I get something out of them. And, 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 and what this podcast was saying, if people become a means to an end, eventually you will not have many people. If people become a means to an end, eventually you will not have many people. You know what's the worst part of autonomy, self-governing? I make the shots. I know what I'm doing. No one is there to keep you and me in check. No one is there to keep us in check. We get to do what we want. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to report to anybody. And no one is there to keep me in check. We do not have to look very far for a perfect example of this. This is nothing new. I've said nothing new. 
You and I have seen this on other people. We've experienced it in some shape or form. But we don't even have to look that far in history, in Jewish history, where we see it in no other than King David, the prophet. This is historically done around the year 970 BC, this event I'm about to share with you, where he was at the top of his game. Like he reached high success in his, his career, if you will, as a king. And he was at the top of his game. But the thing that he's most famous for is the thing that he's most infamous for, if you will. The thing he's most famous for is the thing that he regretted the most. And that became part of his legacy, if you will. The story goes like this. He's at the top of his game, high success. Like, everyone reports to him, right? He's, there's nobody, he's not below anybody. He makes all the shots. So he's at the top of his house, you know, just chilling, relaxing, uh, playing some ball, whatever. He's playing, he's, he's, on, he's on top of his house, and he, and he sees his neighbor bathing outside. And, she see, and he sees this beautiful woman bathing outside. <sighs> Let's be real. This is probably not the first time where this has occurred. Because he probably, understandably, what's the big deal? I'm not harming anybody. I'm just outside getting some fresh air. Always at the exact same time every day because, yeah, it just happened. She's just bathing. It's not my, you know, it's not my fault. This just came up. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. And he probably was able to justify it. No problem. And it seems like he, it, it just happened that she's bathing. That's just his neighbor. She's there. And then he sends one of his servants. Hey. Do you, mind, do you mind checking who, who's the neighbor there? Do you mind catching her name for me? And I bet you, if you can go back and ask King David, what was the event or the decision that you wish you can go back and change? It was this decision. That if he wished he could go back, he wished he never told that servant, go find out more information about her. If he could go back and change everything, if, as, as everything begins to unfold, and we'll get to, if he could go back and change one thing, it would be that one decision. But hey, He's, 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 he's at the top of his game. He doesn't report to anybody. And, no, and he's isolated himself from everyone, has no one to keep him accountable. So he makes his own shots. He, he lives by himself. He makes his own decisions. He doesn't have to check with anybody. He just tells everyone everything is fine. People report to him. He's at the top. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, David, king, my lord, she is Bathsheba. You know her. You know, she, her dad, she's the daughter of Iliam. You know, she is married to Uriah, the Hittite. With all respect, he's trying to give hints to David, but he can't call him out. He knows what David's doing. But he's trying to give gentle nudges for him to wake up. He's saying, you know who she is. You know her dad. Come on, you know her husband. Your husband is your top dog soldier that's leading the army. Uriah, he's your right-hand man. You know him. This woman that you're asking to check out and get more information, you know her husband. Powerful people have a hard time hearing others. Powerful people have a hard time hearing others. Yeah, they can put on the face and pretend as if they're being receptive. But powerful people have a hard time hearing you and I can hear. We can hear the tone of this servant, of what he's trying to nudge David. Like, hello, you know her. He could have easily just said, yeah, she's Bathsheba. No, but he's trying to give nudges. But powerful people have a hard time listening. King David ends up doing something which you and I can relate to. We feel we can control the outcome. We can control what happens. I can fix this. It's not a big issue. It's, I, it was just innocent. No, 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 no big deal. I can cover this up. I can fix this. No issue. 
and he feels he can control the outcome. So what does he do? He ends, well, let's, sorry, let's continue with the story. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. And I'm sure not more than once. She ends up getting pregnant, and now he feels like he can control. I can cover it. Man, if I just get my boy, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to come back, and they're in their own house, maybe they're going to think, like, and, and they sleep together, then, then that, that will cover it. I got this, man. I'm King David. I know what I'm doing. I can cover this. Now, if Uriah is with, her, uh, with, with, with his wife, they're good to go, and they have a baby, and it's covered. That's it. That's it. I'm, I'm the king. I've controlled this. I've controlled the outcome. I've covered up everything. David was told, so, 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 so he, King David is trying to get Uriah to be with his wife, to try to cover up the mistake that he did of sleeping with, with Bathsheba and getting her pregnant. David was told by one of his servants, uh, Uriah, your, 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 your right-hand man, your soldier, did not go home. He didn't go home to his wife. So he asked Uriah, Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Didn't you just come from a long battle for me? You were fighting for me, for our country. Didn't you come from, from, from a big military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Don't you miss your wife? I'm sure you want to spend time with her and sleep with her. Come on. Like, I'm sure you're exhausted and you want to be back home. He's trying to cover up. He's trying to control the outcome. Uriah said to David, talk about it. Here's a man's man. Listen to how Uriah responds to David. The ark in Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my own house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. What is Uriah saying? He's saying, do you want me to go home and you want me to sleep in the comfort of my own home and be with my wife and be, in, be at my own house when my men are sleeping outside and are battling out and, and, and standing up for our country? You, you want me to just go home into my, and, and just live a cushy life while our men are out there? I can't do such a thing. As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. As David's invitation, he ate and drank with him. Again, David's trying to control the outcome. Uriah's eating and drinking with David, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants, he did not go home. You see how smart David is? He's like, okay, fine. He doesn't want to go home. Man, if I just, if I pretend that I really love him and I care for him and put on this fake hospitality and, and, and make sure that he's packed with food and then I get him drunk, man, he's not going to know his left from his right foot. He, then, then I'll send him home. Then for sure he'll make love to his wife. And I got it. I got it. I, I controlled the outcome myself. But he ended up not going home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. David, nice guy, got to the point where he wanted to cover up his first mistake to the point that he would rather have his, his friend Uriah, uh, Uriah killed out in battle to cover up his mistake. It sounds psychotic to us. And it's the same way when we see on the news these self-made billionaires and successful people in their industry and they make a poor decision. You and I look at them, how could you get yourself in that? You had everything going for you. How did you make such a dumb mistake? But we can't really blame David. His blindness led him to the point that he's wanting to kill his own friend to cover up the mistake that he made with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He didn't wake up and say, 
you know what, today would be a great day to kill my friend Uriah. No, it was one thing that led to another, that led to another. What story do you want to tell? What story do you want people to say about your life? I mean, I know this sounds cliche, but we determine our story by one decision at a time. We determine our story by one decision at a time. We're not in a position to determine what's a small decision or a big decision. All of us a decision that leads to another, right? It's a small decision that David told the servant, do you mind checking out who our neighbor is? It seems something, it's a small decision, but that one small decision led to a bigger decision to the point that he made a command for them to kill his friend, Uriah, to cover up his mistake. We determine our story by the decisions that you and I make. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. At the time of mourning was over, after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. He felt he could control the outcome, but it displeased God. And I'm, you can read this on your own. All this is in the Bible, obviously. You can read this in 2 Samuel. One bad thing led to another to another. Like, it's not like David said, Phew, final, okay. People now are fooled thinking that Uriah died in battle. I got Bathsheba. We're married. We have the baby. The baby died. He had serious issues in his family with his, with his adult children. And it was just one thing left. And actually, he lost his moral authority. As a husband, as a father, he lost his moral authority in his household because of his decisions. It was hard for him to, 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 to stand up and parent his kids because he lost his moral authority from his poor decisions. He lost his credibility. David was in trouble. David was in trouble when he put himself in isolation from those accessible to him. If we do a diagnostic of, of all of this that has unfolded, it all began because David isolated himself. He felt, I got this, I know what I'm doing. And because he isolated himself, he was not accessible to anyone. No one was able to put him in check and say, David, I don't know, man, if this is the best decision. He, no one had the guts to tell him that because he isolated himself. And he was not receptive. He didn't have the humility and the boldness and courage to have men around him to keep him in check. And it was one decision that led to another. Today, in the liturgical life of the church, we celebrate Pentecost, in which the early church leaders were empowered and convicted and led by the Holy Spirit. But they were not just led by one person by themselves. They didn't say, okay, Mark, good job, you go by yourself. No, they, kept, they had accountability. They had a group with the men and women that would go out and serve and be missionaries. This, was the, this is the framework of the church. Now, we're not intended to be in isolation. When we are, Chaos happens. David was in trouble when he put himself in isolation from those accessible to him. Autonomy, self-governing, that's a myth. It's a trap. We are built for community, for accountability, not autonomy. It is a thirst we cannot quench. This is not just for guys, obviously. This is for all of us. That we can look at the life of David Yes, did David eventually come with a repentant heart and restore? Yeah, which gives us hope. And this is why we venerate him. And not a single liturgical service in the first century church goes by in which we do not utter the words of King David. 
So we honor him and venerate him of how he bounced back. So all of us have hope to bounce back. But isn't prevention so much better than intervention? So why don't we take preventative steps now? Men, our men's group is this Tuesday. I'm not, I, I, all this was not just to, for me to mark the men's group. But I'm saying in general, for a church family, do we isolate ourselves and put up a wall and people really don't know who we are or, or, or we, we, we pretend we got it all together? If we do, don't think King David's story is, is, is far off. Don't think it's fairy tale. Don't think it's Bible times. Turn on the news and you'll see a, a derivative of this story played out all the time. I promise you. We're not any different than King David. But we can prevent ourselves from falling into this trap as fathers, as husbands, as men, as women, all of us. Because prevention is way better than intervention. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we are grateful that we have the story of King David and his friend Uriah. For us to look at this as, as life for us, for this to be like a wake-up call for all of us, regardless of where we are, regardless of what state of life we're in, Lord, there's always a chance for us to bounce back and for us to restore ourselves with you because, Lord, you have come to make all things new. You have come to meet us where we are right now to give us new life. Lord, I pray that through the power of the church, we can have accountability, we can have community, we can find edification in which, we, in which iron can sharpen iron in which we can grow together to prevent ourselves to fall into a trap of isolation. And all of us are weak, and all of us are prone to do this, not just the successful people we see on the news, not just King David. This is us. This could be our story. But we know through one decision at a time, we can control our story if our eyes and our heart are leaning towards you. Through the prayers of King David, the prophet, and King, and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.